What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Comrades Classroom Podcast. On it, we sit down with members of Neighbor Program and Agape Movement to discuss their development of a community center called the Shakur Center for Health and Wellness. The center will be located in Oak Park, Sacramento, and it will house various decolonization programs, including, but not limited to, a daily grocery program, a community school, a legal clinic, a medical clinic, an arts and cultural center, a farming program, and so much more. In this conversation, we sit down and talk about the development of the center, its main purposes, and the many ways it was influenced by the Oakland Community School that was developed by the Black Panthers. We focus most of our attention on the Malcolm X Academy and the development of a school which has received a gracious blessing of approval from former Black Panther Party member Erica Huggins. We are so excited to host this incredible conversation, and we hope our listeners will help us to spread the word about the Malcolm X Academy so we can raise funds and open its doors in the fall of 2022. All right, that's all we got. Enjoy this episode and share it with a friend or five. We are on Liberators. Free the people. Free the land. to make Jesus was black Ronald Reagan was the devil and the government is lying about 9-11 thank you for your time and good night Having that dream where you made the white people riot, weren't you? But I was telling the truth. How many times have I told you you better not even dream about telling white folk the truth? You understand me? Shoot. Making white people riot. You better learn how to lie like me. I'm going to find me a white man and lie to him right now. I am the stone that the builder refused. I am the visual, the inspiration that made ladies sing the blues. I'm the spark that makes your idea bright. The same spark that lights the dark so that you can know your left from your right. I am the ballad in your box, the bullet in the gun, the inner glow that lets you know to call your brother son. The story that just begun, the promise of what's to come. And I'm going to remain a soldier till the war is won. All right, all right. So welcome to, I don't know who, to everybody. Appreciate y'all. Um, so in the past, I mean, so we've, we've had uh, everyone here, we've had you and your organizations on previous episodes to talk about the development of your organizations and the role of political education throughout your work. And honestly, yeah, we're excited um, to have the founding members of Neighbor Program and Agape Movement back, uh, also with uh, alongside another member of Neighbor Program, uh, of the Neighbor Program team. Uh, and we can't, we can't wait to hear about the development of, of the Shakur Center for Health and Wellness, and most importantly, uh, the Malcolm X Academy in uh, Oak Park, Sacramento. So uh, before we get into all that, um, for our listeners who maybe don't know who you are, or who haven't gone back um, to listen to your individual episodes, uh, if everybody could introduce yourselves and give just a brief introdu- introduction of who you are uh, and, and your respective organizations. And I'll push that question to, to Jordan first. Definitely appreciate you, bro. Uh, so I am Jordan McGowan. I am the founder and chair of Neighbor Program in Nisa Nyland, known as Sacramento. We're a Pan-African socialist organization, and 
and I am the Minister of Programs at Malcolm X Academy. I guess I can go next. Um, hey everyone, my name is Mel. I use she, her pronouns and that's M-E-L. Um, and I am an educator. Um, I'm a storyteller. Um, I'm an African. Um, and I am the founder of Agape Movement, which really just, just was built out of my knowing that I have a lot of knowledge in my head around organizing and around African history and, and African and Black resistance movements, um, and really wanting to, to push out some of that education in, in a way that is palatable, in a way that folks can understand. Um, and so Agape Movement is mostly an online, but also has provided several um, in-person series for political education um, to provide support to Black and Brown Indigenous organizers um, to resource them to be able to, to organize within their own communities um, and learn things that, that are helpful um, for building towards the revolution. And I am the Minister of Education for Malcolm X Academy. Thanks, Mel. Uh, I'm Marcus Forbes. Um, I, my background's in sports. I'm an educator. I'm a coach. Uh, I mentor a lot of youth athletes in the Sacramento and Nissanon land area. Um, I run an organization called Forbes Sports and Education. I work with youth athletes in our area and uh, connect them with resources, with mentors, uh, give them academic support. Um, I'm happy to tie in uh, some of that stuff with the work we're doing with Malcolm X Academy. Uh, I know we're trying, trying to start a prep school. I'm really into the personal development aspect of working with the youth in our area. So um, you know, I'm going to be the director of or the minister of development at Malcolm X Academy. And I'm excited to collaborate with Mel and Jordan and DJ uh, on such a project. Yeah, yeah, appreciate y'all. Uh, thank you for those introductions. Uh, and folks who, who've listened maybe in the past, might you might know my voice, but uh, I'm DJ. Um, uh, for the purpose of, the, of this uh, podcast episode and this uh, interview, I am uh, both playing the role of interviewer uh, and I'm also uh, the Minister of Pedagogy with uh, Malcolm X Academy. And I'm, I'm just excited to be to be here and share the space with, with some dope folks. Um, so let's get into the first question then, um, or first question that, that dives into kind of uh, the role of, of the Shakur Center. So, um, and, and after I finish asking it, I'll push it to anybody who wants to jump in. I'll kind of, uh, I'll go on mute and I'll leave space for anyone to, to think about it and jump in whenever, uh, no rush and take your time to think through your answers if you need to. Uh, so former Black Liberation Army member and political prisoner of war, Elder Jalil Mutaking, uh, he writes that organizations are, quote, responsible for establishing community liberation associations, such as food co-ops, tenant strike groups, community patrol systems, free health clinics, community daycare centers, community liberation schools, and other organized forms of extending the political program in the community. Um, for The question for y'all is, how is the Shakur Center a direct response to this call? and also the call of so many of our other African liberation elders like Malcolm X, Asada Shakur, Walter Rodney, uh, Walter Rodney, sorry, uh, and so many others. Uh, so I'll push that to whoever wants to jump in. Yeah, if I could take that, I would love to. Um, and so I think for me, this is one of those things where we look at 
how do things align? And I think back to last year, I think last spring, um, and me and Mel were taking Jaleel's class on We Are Our Own Liberators. And, you know, in that in that class, we had that kind of conversation, asked Jaleel, you know, what we should be doing. And he said we should be taking control of schools and our education. And it was a it was a answer that I had received from several elders, and it it really pushed us on this journey. Um, and so, as we got this, we really started. I I personally took a deep dive into Malcolm, and that's kind of, you know, going back to his his program for you know his organization after he came back from Mecca in 1964. He, he's calling for those same things, right? And so we kind of see where. Uh, Jaleel, you know, takes takes this theory from as well. And so we see how this traced back, right? And, and it goes back, you know, even before that, right? We had our own schools. And so when we look at this, it just makes sense in where we're at. Like our babies are under attack, right? And so when we when we read Asada, when we when we listen to Tupac speak, when we see what you know, Athene and Dr. Matulu did, like there's no choice but to but to act. And if we know that these elders have called us to take control of our schooling, our education, our healthcare, those types of things, our, again, our only our only option is to make those things happen with this building opening up and all those, you know, all those opportunities available. I think, like I said, it was just like divine timing, right? And all of us were able to come together on this and so I think, I think it's like, it shows like this is, this is it, right? Like this is, there's a reason that this all lined up and we're here for a reason, right? And it's a very specific battle. And so I hope that, you know, people can see that, right? And, you know, because this isn't, this isn't important. This is an important call to answer. Sorry if that was lengthy though. Nah, not at all. You actually, you have me thinking about, right, how, how we all came together. I know, I know Jordan and I had met um, in the summer of 2020. And I know that that DJ and I had been mutuals on it, Twitter for a minute. Um, but really that Jaleel um, book club in January last year, 2021, like, that was a space that that brought us all together. And I think that Right. That first day we came in um, and he said, Jaleel said, the goal of this class is for everyone in here to build cadres and to begin connecting to develop programs um, for our liberation. Right. Um, and I know that 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 most folks, right? I think I'm pretty sure all folks in here, right? Y'all run different programs and and refer to the programs that that y'all run as decolonization programs, right? And so I remember reading that and being like, "All right, bet, check. That's what Jaleel said. That's the mission. That's the goal. Um, I understand the assignment, right? That whole vibe. Um, and so so from then, it was really dope to be able to to connect specifically with DJ and Jordan. Um, in the Thursday class, because I know we, we would be in there running it up every week, right? Talking about the questions that Jaleel was asking us, asking him questions and, and really trying to engage 
um, in a dialectical process at that point of like, all right, tell us like what you know and and what worked and what didn't work and what we should be focusing on and what we should be thinking about. Um, Cause we don't always have the opportunity, right. To be in space with, with our, our heroes, right. Or our, um, our elders who have really done the work and who have experienced, right. What it means to build towards revolution. So um, I know that like me being an educator, um, that's kind of where I, where I took his, his call, right. And the call of folks like Malcolm and Asada and Walter Rodney, um, Huey Newton, right. We have like Nelson Mandela, right. The call of, of everyone, right. Everyone who I know myself as a revolutionary, I look up to, but not just myself, like everyone who's being taught about, um, to the average everyday person, right. People know who Malcolm X is, right. People know, who Nelson Mandela is, right? Whether or not they've really studied these folks and know what their what their asks of a, of us were is a whole different story. But people know who they were, and so so for me, like reading them and then being like, "All right, here's what they said to do. Um, what is my role in doing that?" And I know, like personally, for me, it's been this education piece. But but recognizing right that that education doesn't happen without um, without access to your basic needs. Like you don't learn if you're hungry, you don't learn if you don't have a stable, um, home situation, right. You don't, you don't learn if you are ill. Right. And so, um, I think like for me, there's, there's no way to think about, about schooling as an educator. There's no way for me to think about education without also thinking about these programs, right. That the Shakur center will, will, will be addressing. Right. So like, um, the health clinic, right? The the legal clinic, right? Um, groceries, breakfast, right? All of these different aspects to me feel feel hell important. Um, and I know that these are conversations that that allowed like myself, um, DJ, and Jordan to start connecting last year and really start thinking about what we wanted to build um, as a result of that. Yeah, it's just it's incredible how we've all been able to come together. I mean, I remember uh, Jordan and I met in the summer of 2020 as well. I think it was late summer. Um, and we were talking about collaborating to create some sort of cultural hub or some sort of resource center uh, that could be of advantage to the community. And, um, you know, we've mentioned a lot of our elders, a lot of our political idols. And, you know, it's this is really a continuation of that work. So this is super important to me because the institutions that we've been made to rely on our medical institutions, our educational institutions, right? These have been tools of our oppression. I mean, from the oppression of the spirit, when a kid has to sit in a desk all day from nine to four, you know, often with no windows, right? And the pipeline that we know about that, you know, sends kids to, you know, incarceration facilities, you know, 10 years down the line, uh, you know, unmotivated teachers, teachers who aren't compensated fairly, right? Who are, who are working under conditions like COVID-19, right? Our schools are so drastically underfunded and under-resourced and that's intentional, right? This is part of that history of oppression, right? And it's connected to the same things that our ancestors were fighting and our idols were fighting. So really this work is super important because it's given us uh, political autonomy, uh, economic autonomy, and we're providing, we're pooling these resources for our own youth and giving them education that they need. There's no reason you should be at school from nine to four, right? We can have, we can have a more free forming school where kids are actually studying what they're interested in and you can actually get the same life skills out of it and actually more life skills built for the 21st century than you do in a traditional school that was built for the industrial revolution. So here we are able to actually liberate our, actual, our, our African students, right? And put them in a position of empowerment 
and not just regurgitating banking model school systems, uh, school concepts to them, right? We're, we're holding all the information and, you know, they're just empty receptacles waiting to learn from us, right? That's a colonized way of, of doing education. It's, a, it's, a, it's not really education. That's, you know, as we said, it's teaching. Um, so for us, you know, this is allowing us to really step in the role of educators in, in uh, the full sense of that term where, you know, we are playing multiple roles. We're providing their daily needs. Like Mel said, right, some of the kids are in school hungry, right? Well, an educator does, like, we, we need to be able to, to, we need to be able to have empathy. We need to be able to understand what our students are going through and provide whatever that is for them, right? We're in charge of their development, of their empowerment, and whatever role that requires us to take, that's what we have to do. So I'm excited about this and collaborating with you folks. You know, you've all done such an incredible work. And I think coming together on a project of this magnitude in direct reference to, you know, the blueprint that's been laid out for us historically, like this is an incredible opportunity and the timing's just right. Yeah, I mean, those are all fantastic. And I mean, just to build off of what you just said, Marcus, um, I think that that, it's, it's so important to understand, right, that there's like these liberal frameworks of understanding uh, reform and school and like it, they locate school as like the site of possibility, um, but they don't necessarily point out the fact that these schools, right, where we're implementing these reformist strategies are inherently built, right, under settler colonial and white supremacist logics and frameworks, mm -hmm. right? And the state itself is designed to reproduce these systems through its different mechanisms and school is just one of those mechanisms, right? And so it's important to understand that the, the Malcolm X Academy specifically is like responding to this or in the call made by folks like Jalil Mutaki, Malcolm X, Asada, is not just calling for to change the schools, the public schools that our students are in or to change the curriculum or to decolonize your classroom in a metaphorical way, right? It's, it's talking about the fact that these white state schools are, are rooted in settler colonialism, are rooted in, in terror and, and the, the removal of our people from their communities, right? And so mm. it's talking about building these systems in our communities and building these systems um, to, to reimagine and allow for us to build skills to self-determine our futures, right? And so I think that distinction that you make is, is super important, that it's not just about, like, providing our, our students with a different kind of education inside the classroom or inside the classroom or pro providing ethnic studies right mm -hmm. at schools it's a, it's a bigger call to action mm -hmm. um and so i think it's super important that, and i love that y'all all kind of pointed at that in a different way and that's the beauty of having a school versus like you know like it uh, you know it's different if we're just offering you know our nightly courses or whatever but having an actual a place a location where we can run programs out of right like jordan's already been doing so much with neighbor and mel with agape right and like now we have a central hub where, you know, we can meet the community needs through a physical location, right? And then as we expand, you know, we can have sports teams. That's a way to bring in kids to what we're doing, right? And really use that as a vehicle, use their interests as a vehicle to, you know, now have, have to give them access to all of our resources and everything we have to offer, right? And to give them the right type of education that they're going to need to actually know who they are and know where they fit in the world and then, you know, figure out a place within that. So this is just, so being able to secure this space, you know, huge props to Jordan, you know, and Mel, but, um, you know, this is, this is going to be incredible. Uh, Jordan or Mel, y'all got anything before I push to the next question? I got hella things, but let's go to the <laughs> next question. <laughs> I mean, I think it works out because I think this question's specifically for both of y'all. Um, I mean, it can't be short-sighted that y'all are both sacrificing a lot, right, within your own careers as educators to to commit yourselves fully to the development of this center uh, for the community in Oak Park. So 
if you can break it down, Mel, I know you talked to a little bit, but or you spoke to it a little bit, but what brought right this vision to reality and how did the Shakur Center come to be? And at the end of the day, what are your major goals for its decolonization programs? Whew. Okay. All right. So boom. I care a lot about education. Um, period. Um, for folks who who want to, this might be a light plug, but I also, you know, want to make the best use of this time. And so I think for folks who are able to go back and listen to my episode, um, I can't remember, is it like, it's like 11 or 12 or some shit. Um, but I care about education is, is I think the first piece that is hella important. Right. And, and I am a revolutionary. Um, and so what that, what that has always meant for me, um, and what, what that has been in development, right. In my life is, is this meaning of what does it mean to you? Well, at first it was, what does it mean to use education, um, to liberate our people, and I think it's more so evolved into understanding that education is central. Um, we're not just using education. It does not happen without education. Um, we do not achieve, right, the, the, the Republic of New Africa or a united African continent or abolition, right, whatever, whatever those goals we might have as an organization um, or as a, as a group might be, we do not achieve those without education. Um, and so I think like a lot of people and a lot of different organizations, the, in the summer of 2020, we saw, um, a lot of reactive, um, measures happening. Right. And, and that's not the first time we've seen it. Right. We saw Mike Brown murdered, right. We saw reaction of a community. We see Trayvon Martin was murdered, right. We see reaction of a community. And I think what happened in 2020, um, amidst this pandemic where that there were there were some folks right who reacted and, and there were some folks who who felt like I can't react again. Um, I can't I can't go back to to a reactive life. I really have to start thinking about what it means to build a future um, where this does not happen anymore, um, where we do not need to hit the streets because another right one of our African siblings has been murdered right as a result of of this white supremacist um corporation that is the so-called united states of america right um and so i promise you i'm getting to, to to the answer for your question um and so i really started honing in um on on what it means to to provide folks with with the with the true education of, of what it is we're up against um, and, and not just what we're up against, but also like how to beat what we're up against and like how we've won in the past. Um, and so Jordan had tapped in, we started building a lot together. Jordan is also an educator. Um, and about a year ago, we started talking about what it would mean, like what it would mean for us to start doing, um, liberation school. Um, and it was very general, very broad, um, very like liberation school. We gonna teach folks, um, and I know that that out of Jaleel's class, right? What ended up was a was a small group of us who began meeting regularly, talking about building out a national curriculum. Um, so thinking about what are the things that have helped us in our development to where we are now. Um, what are questions that we've had? What are things we needed to learn along the way, right, to get to where we are now as 
as folks who will literally stand up and say, I am a revolutionary and here's what that means. Um, and, and so like fall, you know, Jordan was like, yo, there's this church that has a spot for us to come twice a month on Fridays for a few hours where we can teach some babies um, for a little bit, get some groceries off, you know, check in with them again. Are you down to come in and, and collaborate with me as an educator, right, in that space? Um, and that was an easy yes for me. Um, and so we had already been in conversations, right, about what it would mean to, to be doing education for the youth. Um, and then I'm going to let Jordan kind of take it from here as far as like how it built out. And then I'm happy to come back and, and answer answer about the sacrifice. But, but I think the short answer to the sacrifice piece is that there's really no other way for me. Um, this is what needs to be done. And this is what I'm going to do as an educator. Um, but I'm, I don't want to steal Jordan shine as, as far as like how we were able to really like solidify, right. A, a space to be able to do a full-time school. I appreciate you, sis. Um, so, you know, I, at this point, I'm, I'm willing to be just really vulnerable and tell people like, I can't contribute this to anything other than my belief in God or spirit or the universe or whatever you want to call it. Because um, it was, it was just trying to live with faith and like walk in the politics that really got us the building. Um, so, you know, I mean, when neighbor was on the first time, like we had a different core team <laughs> straight up. Right. Um, and we had a, and we had a split and that happened. Um, and those folks are doing amazing work, um, together and, you know, some people stayed and, and a lot of folks left. But I had faith that what I was standing on, right, was the principles of Pan-Africanism. And I was going to stand on that. And I checked with elders. I checked with folks I had trusted in and knew that I felt were reputable and, you know, and like well versed in the politics. And, you know, like doubled down, like, all right. I'm staying on the politics. Like that's like that's what has to be done. Right? Like if it comes down, whatever it comes down to, you stand on principle. And from there, that really opened up the door um, to like what Mel said is like this first church. And I think that's what really opened me up to this idea, right? Um, or 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 I don't know, it just it all felt aligned, right? That we started moving in this one church into Del Paso Heights. Um, and truthfully, right, like, it did start to get difficult because he was a little bit more conservative, right? And he he did, he didn't want to, um, he didn't want to change us, but he did, um, he did, you know, he wanted to tone it down some. And I was like, well, we still, you know, we were still working together and we, 
you know, and they, and they was an older black church, you know what I'm saying? So they moved at a slower pace, but um, I moved at a thousand miles an hour. And so, you know, we did our Thanksgiving drive with them. And in that we were able to do 250 turkeys in three different neighborhoods. And that kind of like perked up some ears and some folks reached out and said, Hey, um, you know, we, we are getting ready to close our doors and we have this building, you know, we have some buildings. We would love to see if you would like to take over some. Um, and, you know, the second building that we saw that they showed us was the church. And I just, I mean, it was perfect. Right. Um, you know, it has a, it has a deal with the food bank and they were already running groceries out of there. And, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, a black church that's there and, you know what I'm saying? It, it had all of the makings of what a strong community, right? What battling for land, for dignity, for self-determination meant, right? Like to me, all there, right? We would have a location to run. Like today, we just ran a legal clinic. We ran an expungement clinic. The Phoenix Court Legal Clinic is like first day, right? Boom. We'll be able to run a health clinic, Dr. Mutulu Health Clinic, right? We'll be able to teach, the, not even teach, we'll just be able to allow the community, right? And really the babies to farm and grow their own food and eat food that they grew at their school, right? I mean, how how beautiful is that? We can provide students a space for art these again are the things, these are the tenements, these are the core principles that these people have told us for decades. And so it, it only made sense to take the building, um, considering the amount of food that was already coming in and that that community, which is fighting gentrification, which has a long history of African resistance, which has a deep Panther history we couldn't allow that community to lose access to groceries. If nothing else, again, based on principle, based on principle alone, the community couldn't afford to lose access to groceries like that. And so we, we decided that that was, we were going to double down on that and that we were going to go all in. And so we have been on this fundraising kick right, to really make this shake because um, we were not in a position really to do this. But again, uh, we're having faith and we're walking in and, and, and all the pieces are coming together at the right time, right? Nell is able to come, you know, to be the minister of education, right? Uh, DJ is able to come, Marcus is able to come, you know, and, and even within neighbor, like the different, folks who have been volunteers are stepping into leadership roles, right. In different programs. And so you, you see it, it's just like, I, I, I can see it. Right. And I'm like, wow, man, there's just something special happening. And again, it, it kind of centers around this building and it's the, I mean, shoot, it feels like, it feels like the 10th point, right. It smells like a, a small, a small battle for 
like, you know, an island, right? But like for the 10th point, right? Like it'll be ours. And I guess, I guess that goes to why I, the sacrifice, right? Because this is what I say I stand on. This is what I say I believe in. This is what I tell people that I live and die for. This is what I tell my children that I'm fighting for. This is why dad is out the house. This is why dad is working. And this is why, yeah, I can't, I can't say all of these things and have this opportunity and not fight. My, uh, there's the, the ancestors have sacrificed too much for us to not fight this battle for us to not answer this call. Um, and again, I'm a believer and I, I heard God tell me to do this. And so I'm jumping off the ledge and I've had this on my heart for eight years to open, open a school. And again, the timing is here and the team is here. And I think, you know, God had to evolve me. Life had to evolve me. My politics had to evolve all of those things. I had to grow as a man, as a husband, as a father, as an educator to this point, right? To where I'd be ready for this as long as I never folded, right? And I'm sure it's the same for all of y'all. Right? And again, I think that's why it's divine timing that we've all been brought here through all of the obstacles and circumstances. Again, how, how crazy that we're all here, how crazy that. So, so for me, that makes it, you know, I don't want to say easy to sacrifice, but it makes it clear. And I have support of my wife, which that's everything. So, you know what I mean? Hopefully that answers the question. Sorry if I'm long-winded again. No, no, no. And I just... Yeah, I just wanted to add, right? I think, I think, and I don't want to speak for for Jordan, but I think for for both of us, like, I don't know if if sacrifice would be the word we would use so much as like our duty. Um, and I think like, I'm when when we really like made this choice. I still remember that conversation. It was um, it was New Year's Eve, and I was at the beach. I was at the Atlantic Ocean, um, which is a tradition. I've started. Um, taking to of just like, how, how am I reconnecting with my ancestors and really like starting the year off with them, ending the year with them. Right. Um, and, and the message became clear and clear. And it's one of those things where it's like, you can't, you can't escape for your, from your destiny or whatever. Right. We, we were on the phone with each other and it was just kind of like, all right, like they're literally yelling at me right now. Like you better build this motherfucking school. Like you have no choice. We're, we're telling you, we understand that you're not rich. Right. We understand that you don't have all the time in the world, but what we have done right now is we have prepared you over the course of however many years, right. We have developed you. We have given you experience in these things, um, and now we have given you a building. And so if you don't scoop this building up and teach these kids, you are not doing your duty to us. Right. Um, and like, that was, it was, I had a conversation with my ancestors at the beach that day. Right. And then I called Jordan and literally the first thing I said to Jordan was Jordan, we about to build this motherfucking school. Um, period. On everything. On everything. Like that's, that was the conversation and it was wild. Right. Because 
part of the the conversation that I had been having earlier um, in my head and with my ancestors was like a lot of fear, right? A lot of fear and a lot of hesitation. And then just like, if you, if you build it, they will come, right? Is what came to me. And so I was talking to Jordan, we were just talking, blah, blah, blah. And I hadn't mentioned any of this to him yet. And then out of nowhere, he goes, well, yeah, sis, like if we build it, they will come. And I was like, okay, cool. So anyways, I hear you. (laughs) I hear you creator, whatever you want to call it. Right. Like this is what needs to happen. And like, this is, this is, this is the team, right? This is, these are the people that are going to make it happen. There is no one else who is going to make it happen. You got to do it. Um, and I think, right. For folks, for folks who are, who are listening, who, who are kind of like, nah, that sounds wild. Like, why would you do that? Um, <laughs> you know, I have series, right. Um, I think about like, right. The, 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 this, this, the, the folks who will be like, oh yeah, I just like, I had to invest in myself. Right. This is what this feels like, right? It's, it's, that's what, if that's how you want to think of it, right? This is me investing in myself, right? But really, it's me investing in the people. Um, and I've always been investing in the babies. In so, like, I know who I am, right? I know what I know, and I know what my talents are. And I think that has been really important, right? For me, I'm I'm 30 years old now, and I've done I done been through my um, what is that called? Saturn returns, right? I done I done seen my lowest of lows and I done been through all my like self-doubt. Not to say that it will never happen again. Um, but I've also learned like where to gas myself up and where to be like, nah, this is you, like this is what you do, and no one else is gonna be able to do it as well as you're gonna be able to do it. And that's how I feel about this school, and that's how I feel about the education piece, right? Mm. Um, and so I think that like that's kind of that's kind of where I come to as far as like it doesn't it doesn't feel like sacrifice it feels scary as fuck right um but it doesn't feel like sacrifice um and I think similar similarly to Jordan right what's what what's important and was what was really a shift for me um was when I sat down I had the conversation with my parents and again if you listen to that last episode you know where my parents are at um politically developmentally right um in their in their politic and also like um just in regards to like them wanting to see their daughter succeed um and and me sitting down with my immigrant parents and being like hey y'all I'm about to leave this salaried job where I have a stable income and benefits and yada 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 and like here's what I want to do instead um and like no I'm probably not gonna get a check for the first couple years but like I'm gonna do my best to figure it out um do y'all got me, right? That's what I asked them is like, do y'all have like, do y'all have my back here? Do I have your support with this? And they said, yes. And at that point I was like, cool. Um, If I fail, y'all gonna see me back in Florida at my parents' house, but like, I don't plan on failing, right? This, this, again, like the school is gonna, something's gonna happen. We gonna, we gonna serve the people. Um, So yeah, not, not sacrifice, but duty. Yeah, and I uh, think, and, oh, go ahead. yeah, and I was going to say, like, to to that point, like, me and Mel have had a lot of conversations in regards to, like, our conversation, our personal conversations with God and the, our ancestors, right, and our elders. And I know there's, like, a obviously like a political ancestors and like, you know, like the African resistance ancestors that we invoke and all those things. But like, I think even, you know, like I was talking to my aunt 
I was telling her about the school. And she had like, no, you know, she had no prior knowledge and she just was like, baby, I'm going to stop you right there. And I was like, yeah, until she goes, your dad is in this. You know what I mean? So like, when, when, so like when me and Mel, just to like double down, I'm like, when me and Mel say like, we talk to God and like, we talk to the ancestors, like this isn't, this isn't like some like crazy thing, right? This is like rooted African practice. And again, this is something that is getting brought to your, like getting brought to the school. And I think that needs to be like, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. And these are Africans who practice African practices, who aren't ashamed to be African. Right? Like we are not ashamed to be African. So when we say like, we're doing the school, yeah, we're going to have an African school because we're not ashamed to be African. We're not sacrificing because this is our, like, again, this is our, we are African. This is what we are supposed to be doing. We are African educators. We are going to have an African school. Right. And, and like those, right. Like, I guess going back to like, Mel, like the investing in yourself, like, you know what you're supposed to do. You know what you're called to do, right? Like, you know, or hopefully you find it. Right? Maybe not everyone finds it, but hopefully you do, right? Mip says it, right? I hope it's not, you know, material, because that's all an illusion. But once you find it, you got to go after it. So this is just, a, this is just you know what I mean? We going after it. We know what we're supposed to do. We just going after it. We just running laps. You know what I'm saying? I think that's important. That's that's an important way for us to frame it, so people understand. There is no failing. Right? As scientific socialists, like we are supposed to try. We are supposed to experiment. We are supposed to. You're supposed to f up. You're supposed to fail and fall on your face and say fuck. Get back up. And get better every day. You can't get better if you never if you never mess up. And so we trying to get better every day. That's what we're here to do. Right? So I don't know if they sacrifice, but it's we trying to get better every day. And we trying to get better for the people. We trying to get the people in a better position every day. And if I could briefly push us to the the last part of that question i appreciate those answers and, and the vulnerability i think it's necessary to understand right the, the full context of what's going into this but uh for for folks who maybe have never heard of of terms like self-determination of community control resources of decolonization programs um can can one of y'all or somebody speak specifically to how the Shakur center and the academy meet or strive or struggle for, right? Uh, Self-determination, community control resources uh, through the building of, of decolonization programs and maybe kind of break it down for folks who maybe have never heard of those terms. I could take a lead on that and then maybe toss it to one of y'all just because, right, um, right, neighbor programming is already on the ground in the area. And so, Decolonization programs are the evolution of the Panthers' survival programs, 
or social programs, things that you've seen adopted, right, by even state and federal governments like WIC, health, you know, um, which was Healthy Babies, right, the Free Breakfast for Children's program, which turned into, you know, free and reduced lunch, which is now just free lunch in California. Um, and so those types of things, right, are all Panther programs, uh, the, you know, the elderly transport transportation services, all of those types of things are, are were originally Panther programs. And so again, Jaleel and other revolutionaries have called them, you know, decolonization programs and then talked about how we can evolve them um, to grow on a larger scale towards a you know national liberation front. And so that's what you know has inspired neighbor programs. And so we have those programs, our breakfast program, which serves, you know, housed and you know folks who are facing food insecurity breakfast we have our grocery program which delivers groceries to families again today we were able to run a you know expungement help host a expungement clinic we able to have a you know medical services and so that allows all again kind of i think mel talked about that earlier about how it allows for the holistic development not only of the the student but of the family right and in turn the community and so as, as we do that, what we're proving is, right, I think Chairman Fred said it, like, if you feed people for free and you let them ride the bus for free and you let them see the doctor for free, pretty soon they're going to look up and be free and not know it, right? And so that's kind of the goal, right, is that we show through, through praxis, right, through through actual work that we can provide these resources to people, right? We can, you know, pull our resources, whether it's money, whether it's talents, right? Like with the medical clinic, that's just pulling people's talents, nurses, doctors, you know, healers, practitioners, whatever. Come spend some time working with the people, right? And that again, build that unity that starts to build that uniformity that we need in phase one, right? And that's why I, I want to throw that to I want to throw that to my sis because I know she's about to get down on the on the political side. Um, but I, you know, what I mean, like we have to we have to start to to take those steps, and, and hopefully through our actions, right, we can win over. I mean, that's really what this is, right? We're trying to win the people over through our actions to show them, like, look, this is the way. Because once we get that mass movement, now you can start seeing you know, you know, work towards, again, our, our goal is national liberation. So how do you work towards that? Well, it's steps, right? We have to teach people. So I'm going to throw that to Mel. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I'll add, right, is, is when we talk about, or when people talk about abolition, right? I think that's, that's become kind of like a buzzword, right? Um, and on top of that, right, within it being a buzzword, people often hear it as like, oh, we got to destroy this whole system, right? We got to destroy capitalism. We got to destroy prisons. We got to destroy the school to prison pipeline. We got to destroy police, right? Um, and and I think, right, with, to what Jordan was saying about like, we got it, we're, we're working to win the people over, right? We, we're competing against capitalism right now. And capitalism is you know, uh, it's, it's a shiny, shiny toy. Niggas want capitalism, right? Like people want the, to the money, right? The, the propaganda associated with, with capitalism is, um, is at its peak. Um, and so, 
when we talk about nation building, when we talk about revolution, when we talk about abolition, right? When you hear these different words being brought around, a lot of folks who I come into contact with, right, as an educator, because um, I'm not just going to be out here preaching, like, here's what you're supposed to do. Um, because as an educator, what I know is that people are going to have questions. People are going to want to know who, what, where, when, why, how, right? Um, I work with students every day who, who, um, Want, want a clear understanding, right, of, of what the material is, right? What, what does it mean, right? Mm-hmm. I don't agree with it right now, right? And so what, so when I think about like these words, I, I don't think about just what we're destroying, but how do I answer folks' questions about like, well, what, what does that mean? Like if we don't have capitalism, then what do we mm-hmm. have, right? If we don't have police, right, quote unquote, keeping us safe, right, then what do we have? And so that's what these programs are. That's what decolonization programs are, right? It's not charity. It's not we're out here feeding people who are hungry, right? That's that's part mm-hmm. of it, right? In practice, that's what happens. But what it is, is we don't need a system that requires us to pay for food that grows out of the ground that we have just worked to grow out of the ground, mm-hmm. right? Instead, we can have a system that looks like this, Right. And so when we destroy this current food system, this will be our new food system. Right. And this is how it works. Right. And like what Jordan was saying, it's a practice. Right. Um, And that's that's one thing that that feels really important to me is to make this make this appealing and to make folks feel interested in it. Right. Like I thought I like education. That's my passion. So like that's where I'm going to go. But like everyone has a space, right, to build something. And, and for me, like what, what decolonization programs are is world building. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what kind of world are we trying to build? And like, what are we going to try out to, to make it look the way, look and feel the way that we want it to feel? Um, because ultimately, right, when we do destroy capitalism, we're going to need something to come in its place, right? Yeah. I personally believe in scientific socialism, right? For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, and like that's a great answer. And like that goes back to Jordan's thing, right? Of where like we we've been conditioned and socialized under a capitalist society, right? So we don't have we don't we don't know what those alternatives are and therefore we can't be afraid to fail, right? There is no failure when you're a scientific socialist, right? But a lot of our political imaginations are stunted. Um, and as scientific socialists, we can analyze how Africans are affected materially under capitalism. But we also need to understand what happens to us on more of a spiritual and energetic level, right? Like we are internally colonized people. We have to depend on the white supremacist institutions and specifically within education, we're socialized and conditioned and educated under white supremacist and settler colonial logic, right? So even if capitalism were abolished tomorrow, right, our way of life is so deeply intertwined with capitalism that a lot of people don't even know how to relate to each other outside of the realm of capitalism. And, you know, there's a lot of Africans suffering because of that. And they don't know why they're suffering. There's a lot of babies acting up at school, you know, getting in trouble. And they don't even know what it is they're reacting to. But they're reacting to a system that already feels oppressive by the age of five or six. Right. And we undergo sort of a psychologically, they'd call it racial battle fatigue. Right. Where where we're experiencing something, a completely different reality. And it's a product of having to cooperate with and involve ourselves in, in these systems that are set up for, for us and set up for our destruction. Um, but at the end of the day... You know, our people, our ancestors have laid out a blueprint. You know, we've been surviving for centuries. And, you know, this to me is a way to pool a lot of those resources, all those survival mechanisms, and really meet the community where it's at instead of imposing these systems and these schools of thought on them, 
right? There's no way that students should be bound to, you know, an eight hour school day, right? Or that we should condition our kids to think they need to go into debt to go to college and, you know, get a nine to five job. You know, there's ways where we can take care of ourselves. You know, there's ways like people shouldn't, you know, have to wait on their next check to be able to afford rent, right? They shouldn't have to worry about how they're going to put food on the table, right? We can provide that as a community. And that to me, is it goes to your world building point, Mel, of like, we don't, we don't know what the world looks like outside of a deeply capitalist society. But what we can do is start providing resources for the people, right? And build that reality we do want while the one that we're in is crumbling. Yeah, that's, I mean, I can't even build on that. That's beautifully put right there. Uh, and our next question, I think we've already kind of hit a lot of the talking points for the next question. It's specifically asking about um, the development of, of, or the importance of the development, the importance of the farming program, the importance of the Tupac Shakur Performing Arts Center and kind of what it actually means, right, to develop practical skills for self-determination while also, right, creating African and indigenous cultural propaganda and engaging in cultural practices and building culture, right, amongst the community, all these things are super important um, when we're looking at um, a community building, right? And I think y'all spoke to the fact that um, it's necessary for us to build these skills, right? And be in the field actually practicing these things. And, and Jaleel um, specifically says, right, um, developing skills for building and preserving the community, such as plumbing, electrical work, carpentry, printing, typing, multimodal art, and other essential skills, right? And I think the beautiful thing about uh, the, the Shakur Center itself is it allows for both community members uh, and uh, the, the students and the learners in, in the building, the babies, the children, right, to actually engage in hands-on farming, to engage in, uh, to be in the kitchen building those skills, to uh, engage in the logistical development of, um, of taking care of the community, to maybe building, right, carpentry work, building stuff for the school, right, uh, literacy, printing, typing, right, all these things. Um, and then the Shakur Center itself uh, for uh, the Tupac Shakur Center, right, for, for art um, and performing arts and whatnot, right, actually having a space for, for students and, and community members to develop multimodal art uh, that makes the, the politic, that makes the culture, that makes the, the, the message of, uh, of liberation, of self-determination uh, digestible, right, and interesting and uh, accessible for the community uh, in a bunch of different ways, right, multimodal. Um, so I think, I think folks have already spoken to this, but, and for the sake of time, I just wanted to kind of uh, speak to that a little bit, but does anyone else want to build on, build on those ideas and, and those concepts before we push to the next question? I just really wanted to give a shout out to Dre T who is, um, heading kind of all of our performing arts and culture aspect in that regard, um, who is, you know, the founder of Born Native I say legend, right? Like in his own right, um, you know, speaking word and, and music and production. Um, and so it's just, it's just an honor and a blessing to have him on our team and be able to have him work with, um, you know, the babies and in, in, in that capacity, right? With all of that arts and culture um, in the Tupac Shakur Center and the Performing Arts Center. And so that, to me, is just something that's beautiful and I'm really, really excited about. So I just wanted to get...
Um, I think Jordan might have cut off, but um, I just have three things to say on this. One, this is what it means to free the land, right? When you talk about, yeah. So one, this is what it means to free the land. And two, um, when it comes to this question, right, I think about Sekou Ture and Thomas Sankara as folks who really guide my thoughts around um, uplifting culturalism within the revolution. Um, and this is where I have um, a critique, right, for a lot of, of revolutionary organizations um, who will uh, oftentimes, right, we, we think to emphasize, right, the, the basic material needs of our people, which are vital, right? This is not to diminish the needs of to get folks food, shelter, water, right, and those things. Um, and, and I think that, that Thomas Sankara and Sekou Ture um, are some great examples, right, of folks who were really moving into a place where they were nation building um, within their respective countries on the continent, right? And then really started to think um, dialectically, right? And start to think intentionally about the role of culture, right? Within nation building and how vital that is, right? To, to, be, to be emphasizing culture, right? Whether it is in the clothes we're wearing, right? The art we're consuming um, and those types of things. So that's just a recommendation I have for folks to, to really read um, and ground themselves in, in the work of those folks um, who achieved, right? They achieved their, their independence, right? Um, and then this is, what, this is what was important to them. I appreciate that, Mel. And I think it's super important, right? Because a lot of those liberation movements, right? They had community-run cafes and storefronts and things that were running, right? These cultural events, running uh, like jazz shows, running uh, dances, right? Having bring the community together to express and build culture in that way. And that shit was like a vital part uh, of developing the community and developing right skills for, uh, for liberation. Uh, so, all right. Next question then. All right, so to, start, to talk specifically um, about the Malcolm X Academy, whoever wants to jump in first, uh, if we can, just for, because right for our, for our listeners, right, this, this is a real big episode for focusing on the Academy, fundraising for the Academy, um, really getting folks an understanding of, of why we want the, why we're focusing on the school and why we need funds, right, to get the school up and running. So, um, so we can give folks a breakdown, if we can give an overview of the school and its curriculum. Um, but the main question is, what makes the academy or what will make the academy a transformative learning environment for children and families? Yeah, I think, I think the first thing that will make this a transformative environment is that this school will be built by right, African and indigenous educators with African pedagogy and practice, right? With people who want to be in community with these babies who, who love Africans, right? Who like, who love these babies just off who they are. And that is not the school system that we live in, right? Like Marcus was just dropping all the gems that lets you know all of the things our baby are, babies are facing. And you can look at the news in any area, right? In Sacramento, right? so-called Sacramento, you have three incidences, like public incidences in the last, you know, two, three months, right? Of our babies being harassed and targeted. 
in in Oakland and San Francisco, you can see schools being targeted and shut down. Right. You can see, you know, CRT bills and anti-woke bills being passed all across the country. Right. We like we understand that the colonial school system is at war with us. And this school, right, that's why it's a private school. That is why it's a private school, so that no colonial institution has control over what we're teaching our babies. We can't allow them to keep brainwashing our children, instilling self-hatred, right? This school is rooted in love and agape. Right, revolution is love. We must learn from our children. Asada Shakur. This is what this school is rooted in. Something way deeper and way, way more powerful than just the curriculum of the school day. And we haven't even got into again the technical skills, the ability. The fact that your children will be able to grow the food that they could eat, the fact that they will cook the food for themselves and their classmates, the fact that they will be able to call their, you know, their, their, they'll be in community with everyone there. I keep just thinking about the film that Erica sent us, Erica and Angela, and, and, and the things that those children said, that's why it's different. That's why it's important. Because lives will be impacted. We will be building. We will be nation building. That's what we will be. That's what we will. We will be doing. We will be nation building. I appreciate that, Jordan. I could jump in here. Um, I think looking specifically at uh, the curriculum for for the school, for Mahomet's Academy, and kind of just the environment that we're trying to build, it's, I think it's key to understand that, I mean, and before we even knew it, really, because we didn't really have a direct breakdown of it, but uh, we were on the path of building an environment that was very similar to um, the Oakland Community School um, that was run and operated by uh, the Black Panther Party. Um, and what's important is that, is that the school itself, right, is, is it's student-centered. It's student-centered and it's like this playful learning landscape, right? And it actually allows for students themselves, for the families themselves to engage in an environment that allows them to have agency and have autonomy over their, first of all, their bodily autonomy, um, and second, their their learning experience, right? And how they engage with their learning experience. Um, and if anyone's ever done, right, martial arts or if anyone's been a part of a, a, a well-run sports program, right, the students themselves it's not like this regimented colonial model where you're forced into these very particular categories uh, based on age and grade and ability and right, all of these very uh, colonial ways of understanding achievement and, and, and uh, uh, understanding in the classroom or whatnot. Um, the, importance, the important thing is, right, is that students are able to step into the environment um, and choose how they want to learn, uh, to choose how they want to engage with the environment on a day-to-day basis, right? Um, because a lot of times, as we, I mean, we know even as adults, right, the day-to-day, um, the way in which you approach that day changes. Um, and students need to have that same autonomy 
uh, and that same freedom um, to engage with the environment in that way. Um, and the other key thing, I think, um, is understanding that the, the pedagogical uh, frameworks that we're using are, are rooted in pedagogies of resistance, right, that developed by Freire. Um, and if I can kind of quote, right, uh, directly what pedagogies of resistance is, um, it's education that is meant to offer learners on the margins information that colonial and unequal socioeconomic processes have denied them. It's methods of education that are accessible, engaging, and democratic, and it's educational processes that are linked to larger social movements, advancing a vision of and plan of action towards greater equity and social justice, right? So pedagogies of resistance situate the learner and situate the educators, right, within a larger political landscape within the community, right? Not just as this school that is a mechanism of colonial production and uh, capitalist production, but an environment that is, is, is rooted in the community, right? That is rooted in a larger political framework that acknowledges the necessity for self-determination, right, of colonized African and indigenous people globally, right? And that's, that's the context the school, the, the school is situated within, and that's the context that the learning pedagogies are situated within. Uh, and if I can, I'll try to, try to keep it brief, but like if you, <laughs> I, I think it's important to understand what a day might look like um, at, at, a, at the Malcolm X Academy or what a day looked like at the Oakland Community School. Right, because it's a lot different um, than what days look like, I think, in the colonial school system. Um, and so one approach that we're taking, right, is, is pedagogies of resistance um, and then also like this playful learning landscape uh, where students come into the environment and are unable to choose, right, the, the way in which they engage with the environment. And so the school itself, right, on a broad aspect is going to, is opens with uh, having uh, accessible programs for the community early in the uh, early in the morning and through late in the evening right so that families and students um, can have a place in the community where they can be um, all throughout the day right and so um, in our morning block at 6 a.m right we have we offer childcare, we offer breakfast uh, we offer things like meditation and yoga um, we offer all of our extracurricular programs like gardening uh, uh, the culinary arts culture cultural programs our community development programs um, an important aspect of the school too, right, is the student justice committee. Uh, the, the student justice committee is able to uh, engage with other leadership uh, in the school and actually making decisions and, and helping to define how, how the school operates. Um, and so I think just shifting the way the school day is built up is super important here too, because um, our learning blocks are the shortest part of the day. It's from 10 a.m. to 2 um, and then everything else is all about community development. It's all about individual development, about um, uh, allowing people to have access to food, have access to all these different programs. Um, and so I want to stop rambling. I want to push, see if anyone else wants to talk about uh, our curriculum and, and the environment of the school. Um, yeah, no, I think that the it's it's really a holistic model that considers the whole family. Um, because, right, I know 6 a.m., damn. <laughs> and also, like, people have to go to work, right? We're still living in a society where folks have to labor, right, in order in order to live. Um, and so, right, that, that, but also considering, like, nobody's trying to wake up and immediately start 
learning math, right? That's that's kind of the current structure of our society is you wake up and immediately it's like, all right, one plus one and here are the colors and here are the numbers, right? And so really trying to consider like families need places to be in the morning, folks need childcare in the morning. And also like, what does that look like for us, right? To where we're still considering the fact that that students, right? The, the children are not necessarily in a space to begin intaking content and what what needs to happen before students can start taking content, right? So that whole morning block that DJ was just talking about, right? That's that. Um, after school, right? Considering um, parents, again, still being at work, right? Students needing places to be. Um, considering the fact that like, sometimes students will go home and be like, well, I don't have dinner. So like, I got lunch and, and breakfast covered at the school, but like, we also need to have space, right? For folks to, to get full meals, right? Um, and then I think another, another big piece is like Marcus had talked about it. Right. And I, and I do want to throw it over to Marcus a little bit about like really giving, giving the students the opportunity to be doing what matters to them and what makes sense. Right. And, and I know a lot of folks will be like, I never used the Pythagorean theorem in my life. <laughs> like I haven't, um, I do have not, don't, can't remember a, a time in which I've act- actively used that, um, in, my adult life. Right. And also like I'm dealing with people who are like, well, I can't get a job. I have a college degree and I can't get a job. Right. So what, what then do our, does our development look like? Yeah. And that's what's part of what's so oppressive about our school systems is right. Like you're told what to learn and when, right. And your hours are broken up according to those things. Right. When really life isn't like that, it's not separated into segments and you can really orient learning around whatever it is the kid actually wants to spend their time doing. Some kids, all they want to do is hoop. All they want to do is play football, right? Some kids like video games. Other kids like watching TV. Some kids like to read, right? Some kids like photography. Some kids are into music, right? Maybe they want to be a rapper, whatever, right? And you can teach them beat making. You can teach them sports. You can teach them, you know, different sort of arts, right? And you can still integrate their learning into that, right? You can still teach life skills. You can still teach history through the lens of sports, right? You can talk about, you know, social activism and, you know, responses to, um, you know, like racial tragedies, incidences that have happened throughout history. And you can talk about that through the lens of sports, right? You can talk about Vietnam and you talk about imperialism through looking at Muhammad Ali, right? That's a lot of the stuff I do through sports. So I know that there are different ways to capture a kid's attention and you're actually going to get more learning out of them if it's something they actually care about. And there's no reason why we have to have them all on the same schedule, right? We can really, especially we have elders in there, you know, we have community folks who really, like Jordan said, like care about these babies and want to see them succeed and also just want them to be happy, right? We have enough people where, you know, it's almost like you have a built-in counselor where you're there, you know, the, everyone who's there knows you. They know, you know, if you're, if you're in a mood, if, you know, you're having a rough day, people know you, they know your family, they might understand why, right? Maybe they know you need the meditation space at that time. Maybe you just need some sunlight, some exercise. Maybe you need a, some sort of creative project, right? But we can really bend with each kid's needs and provide them the type of educational experience that they need. Um, and that's the beauty of this thing is we don't have to deal with those oppressive structures, right? There are so many kids reacting to those environments and they don't even know what they're reacting to. Like I, you know, I was always told I had ADHD. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't listen. Right. And I know my mind was in way more creative spaces and I just couldn't stand sitting there all day. I was twitching. Right. And we can have our kids active. We can have them laying down during the school day. We can have them outside running around playing games. And, you know, when even if you're just listening into conversations between two kids, right, you can find a way to make that in a learning experience from them. You can teach them how to communicate effectively. Uh, you can teach them how to treat others with respect. 
You can teach them, you know, valuable skills that are honestly glossed over in the traditional colonial school system, right? If kids are, you know, bullying each other and stuff in a, in a traditional public school, right? A lot of times that goes unaddressed. And, you know, here we can actually teach kids, you know, how to be better humans to one another, right? Like I said, a lot of that, those capitalist ways are internalized and it's all based off of value judgments and what can I get from somebody, right? And how can I get that thing? It's, it's manipulative. And we can teach people how to live in more of a communal style and we can produce better people of the world. And, you know, like, like you said, Mel, with the world building aspect of it, that's what we're doing with our curriculum. That's what we're doing with this format is we're building something entirely different, right? That, uh, you know, so people have, have tried to create this before and they have created this before and, you know, many have replicated it, but, you know, this is us directly responding to what is our oppressing our children and giving them an alternative where they get to decide. They, that is what autonomy is. That's what self-determination is, is the curriculum emerges from the kid. And, you know, we can shape it in a way that, you know, they actually enjoy learning. People think that kids don't like learning. And especially that's, you know, that, uh, you know our, our young African kids are, are, are labeled in that way, you know, as they don't want to learn or, you know, they, they, you know, use statistics to try to show that our people are just less, um, are less receptive to uh, learning and stuff like that. And, here, you know, we can actually prove that actually kids like to like to learn. You know, they, they love learning things and they love putting forth what they learn in the world. They, they love even like projects. Right. And that's what we can demonstrate here um, by allowing the kids to be in charge of their own education and to meet them where they're at instead of imposing something on them. If I could just add one more thing, because that was amazing. All of us. <laughs> the most profound thing in that video from Eric and Angela was when the student said, we learn to love. And when you were talking, Marcus, and you said they can learn, you were like naming things. And I just thought they can learn mm -hmm. to love, mm -hmm. right? Like that, that's it, right? Like to be compassionate, to, to be communal, to all of those things to walk in love, to walk, right? Yeah, to walk in love. I'm going to keep saying agape so that everyone gets it. Me too, but man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just to add to that real brief, the <laughs> real briefly, uh, like, I think it's important to picture this the way Marcus is describing it, right? It's this completely fluid environment that the, the child is able to engage with. And the educators there are really just there as guides to guide them through these different educational landscapes and these different programs, right? And so when you show up to the academy, when you show up to the center, you know and you have access to uh, a calendar or whatever it is that tells you when and where the arts program is, when and where the farming program is, when and where the music program is, when and where the dance program is, martial arts, sports, culinary, right? Or you know when or what time you have to be at science or math or history, but it's you have the option, right, to choose to engage with these things on any given day and really fluidly move through that environment and, and be guided by the educators. Like if you want to show up that day and you want to mostly focus on the culinary programs mm -hmm. and the other times of the day, you just want to be in the meditation room or you just want to be doing tutoring, independent work, or you just want to be outside doing sports or outside in the garden, right? You have the ability to fluidly move and engage with these different educational landscapes right at your own pace and at, 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 with guides and educators who are, who are willing to bend and move uh, at the pace that you need. Right. And I think yeah. that's, that's the real beautiful thing. And I, I love that you, 
to clarify and, that mark and, 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 and that also that doesn't mean that our kids aren't going to learn math and shit right exactly it's, it's just, it just, it, like we're still going to give them everything they need and everything all the value that they would get after out of the traditional colonial school system right we're just provide we're giving it we're delivering it to them in the through the medium that they love right yeah where you can teach them science through gardening right yeah. and and that's that's the key here is we're not just giving it to them in some arbitrary you know form or in the term of mm-hmm. subject matter it's like we, we want to disguise that learning in the things that they're already interested in so by the time you finish a year and you know me as as director or minister of development right that's part of of what my job is 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 uh, outlining the progression of development for each kid and what skills, what life skills, right? what what trade skills, what ideology, what we want them familiar with, what we want them knowing um, at each year, right? So we can actually map out each kid's development. And, you know, as we get to know each kid, like Daniel said, or DJ said, um, you know, our, our educators, they're really guides. And their job is to figure out who our kids are, right? What makes them tick, what their passions are, what their, you know, what their, what their interests are, what their fears are, right? And to really help create an educational experience around that kid so it's not that they're not going to learn the math and the science and the english that they would really you know be getting in in a traditional school it's just that we're we're bringing that stuff in around their interests and that's what's important here is that you know we're still covering all those same the value that you get out of those schools it's just more valuable to our demographic right the kids that we're working with and that you know that that's a game changer because that we've never been met in the middle. Right. And especially our people, like our African people, like we're so naturally creative, right. We have rhythm. We have, we have all these aspects of that, that derive from our African culture and African traditions that are just simply not allowed in schools. Right. And now we can implement those traditions and those practices and those cultural values into something that works for them. Right. Where they can rediscover who they are in the process of engaging with what it is they like, and hey, you might, you know, you're going to learn some, you're going to learn the other stuff you would get in school at the, in the process. Exactly. It's taking, it's taking it out of that compulsory, right, framework that forces you to do it at this time. And it gives students this choice, right? So it's not saying you're never going to learn math or if you don't want to, but it's giving them that choice of like, hey, do you want to do, you want to do your one-on-one math before or after farming program? Mm-hmm. Do you want to do your one-on-one math before or after basketball practice? Right? So it's about giving them the choice to actually move through the environment in a different way, not to actually not engage with literacy or math. I think that's an important distinction. I appreciate that. Uh, so I think we're good to push to the next question. We got two more. Um, and so I know, Jordan, you mentioned Erica a couple of times, um, but if we can speak directly to it, right? Like, what, is it, what does it mean to have someone like Erica Huggins, right? Former Black Panther member, former director of the Oakland Community School. Um, what is it like having someone like that willing to support and uplift the development of the school? And how how much does the Oakland Community School and their vision inform the academy? Oh my God, I love this question so much. Um, Y'all can't see listeners, but I definitely just like, was like, I want to start this question because I'm so excited about it. Um, I think being able to have the opportunity to meet um, Erica Huggins and, and share this project with her was the most invaluable experience I probably have ever had as an educator. Um, I know like before we had started recording, I was just talking about how, um, you know, once I got into this revolutionary shit and started learning more about the Panthers um, and and heard 
oh, this person was the minister of education. Like my eyes lit up like a five-year-old and I was like, I want to be that. Like, that's what I want to be, right? Like, I want to be the pink ranger like that. And that's really honestly, like the first time that I've had one of those moments. Like I've never been the type of child who was like, when I grow up, I want to be and like had a definitive answer. Um, And so to me that, that speaks to like, a calling and a passion, but meeting, meeting Erica was, was really, um, and hearing what she had to say, um, and being able to, to watch some of the, the video footage that, that they have, um, about the school was really motivating, I think is, is the, the best word I can use, um, because we had talked earlier, right, about this, the sacrifice, right, and, and what, what all it's going to take to build this, and, and one of the first, last, beginning, middle um, things that, that Erica kept saying to us was the, the way that this school got to be successful, right, and became the most, the, the, the longest running, right, um, program of, of the Black Panther Party in Oakland was the intention um, was there. And so there were times, right, they talked about how they weren't paying their educators at first, right? They talked about how they were in this grant writing process trying to get things together, right? They talked about how they had to involve the community, right, to really pull together all of the things that they needed to make happen, um, to make it happen. But what they came back to is, like, we had the people who were going to do the job. And, like, they had the intention that this was going to get done one way or another, um, and that's really what you need um, to do this school. And so like that, hearing that, right, felt felt really motivating and, and honestly is something that I keep coming back to, right, in any moment of, of doubt or, or anything like that. Um, I keep coming back to this, this intention and, and knowing, right, that that's, that's all that's needed um, to make it happen. I think having the opportunity to, to share our work with her, um, and, and to see that she was really, she was rocking with it. Um, and, and I think like Jordan had been saying earlier, right? A lot of the things that, that they were telling us about the Oakland community schools, we were like, oh yeah, that's what we were thinking about, right? Um, or a lot of the things that, that we were telling them that we were planning for, they were like, yep, this is how we, this is how we started our days, right? We started our days with meditation and movement. And then we ate breakfast. And then we did this and then we learned, right? And then after we were done learning, right, we did this. We had these extracurriculars for these reasons, right? We had the families involved in these ways. We had these opportunities for the community for these reasons, right? The same exact reasons that I was talking earlier, talking about earlier, right? People have to work, people need to eat, people need access to, to, to things that will, that will get them in jobs, right, to get them them opportunities to continue to sustain themselves. And so um, the alignment um, just kept aligning. <laughs> and I think even, even what y'all were talking about before, right, as far as like creating the curriculum and creating a transformative learning environment um, and, and what it teaches these kids, right, and, and what the kids get out of it and not just the kids, but what the community gets out of it. Um, and what the community puts into it is something that that was really inspiring and also helped me kind of like know that we were moving different and really, really appreciate, right, the work that that Jordan has built um, in Sacramento, right, and with the Oak Park community, right, because we're talking about these programs and, and they're not just visions that we have, they are realities, right, 
all we need is the money. That's really what it is. Like we have a, the foreign native center, right? That is committed and prepared and has all the equipment and all the things, right? To get kids in the, in the studio, to get kids recording their own music, to get kids recording their own podcast, right? We have a newspaper, right? That is ready and already operating to get kids to be able to submit their writing, to submit their artwork, right? To submit their photographs. We have um, the expungement clinic, right? That is ready and willing and already operating, right? In the community to work on clearing records, right? Of family members, right? To work on, on providing legal support to our families. We have, we got folks out here like, yeah, we gonna give your kids haircuts, we have barbers ready to come in, right? We have Jordan's wife, right? Ready to make lotion for the babies. We gonna have fully moisturized children at our school. Like we, the community is in, right? Um, and that that is one thing that, that Erica and her team kept coming back to is like the community needs to be in. So the community is in. Um, and that that for me is like, okay, cool. So it was happening. Um, and, and we have the most amazing team. Um, and I'll, I could talk about our team for, for hours and days, but I think that's really what I took away is that you got to have the community and you got to have the intention. Um, and we have both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that Erica and the school have influenced my teaching for heavily at least the last five six years and right like sitting sitting down with her and speaking with her about you know these practices that i utilize um and you know some that i knew that they used there and some that i didn't right like it also happened like that. Um, I was like made aware of the Moja practices, right? And and like from a from a friend, and was like, "Oh, I'm doing some of those, right?" But like hearing those things were also affirmations of like, "We're we're taking the right steps, right? We are trying the right things. We we are moving in the right direction." And again. But speaking with Erica, you can hear and see how impactful this school was, right? Um, and and in the like the pride and dignity in which her like she carried it in her voice when she talked about the school. And the dignity and the pride that children had when talking about the school, right? Who are now adults. And then even hearing about what some of these alum are doing, right? Like because of this experience. Um, and for me, like I'm going to tie it back to the turf always, right? Like for it to be in Oak Park, tied to the Panthers, and then even tied to where I first came and taught and have lost so many babies, right, to the streets. Like, this is, this is everything, right? And so for her to say, yes, like, for, 
right? Like she, like she gave us the nod, right? And for her, for her to give us the nod was like, we like, like I don't want to say like we've arrived, but yeah, like, like what my sis said, like it's here, right? Like, and I think for me at this point, it's not even like all we need is the money because I know that the money is there. For me, it's like, do you want? You gonna join this? At some point, you gonna rock with us, right? Like, is it now or is it later? Because, because similarly to OCS, like, no one probably believed in OCS when it started, and they probably thought, like, yeah, right, you know. And and then again, it was awarded all kind of awards, even from the state. Right, because of how exemplary this was. There, like Mark was saying, we are going to be able to show with data, with proof, right, that we can teach our babies. And so for Erica to say, yeah, you're on the right path, knowing that that's our intention, it, it was like, I guess it was like, I don't want to say it was all the confirmation we needed, but it definitely felt like a huge, a huge push, right? To say, yeah, make that leap. Yeah, I think that's a great leeway into into the final question, really, right? Which is, now that it's a reality, now that it's here, what are the next key steps into assuring that Malcolm X Academy's doors open, right? Coming this summer, coming this fall, right? So bringing children in the classrooms. And what are some ways that our listeners can offer support? What are ways the community can offer support? support us um i think is is really the big thing i i mean i really rock with with what with what my brother jordan said is like you're you gonna rock with this is it now or is it later um because i think and i think that that we as educators right and as as leaders have an understanding right that support looks very different for a lot of people and we are open to all of the support that we can get, right? Um, the money is what's gonna, gonna solidify the building. And I, I think I feel very similarly to Jordan, like the, I feel like the money's gonna come. We're gonna get, like the money is coming. Um, the money is literally coming and it's going to continue to come, right? Um, but, but this support piece, right, can look like so many things. Um, even thinking about the ways in which community members, right, have have really stepped up to support, whether it's in, in offering their services, right, to our space for free um, and, and being prepared, right, to offer those things to our students for free. Like that's that's a big part of what our program is, right? We, we're gonna have some community work days out in Oak Park, right? We, we gonna get this school, right? And it's cute out there. It's very cute, right? Seeing the building itself was, was amazing, but like, we're going to do some painting. We're going to do some, you know, repurposing of shelves. We're going to do some setting up of classrooms, right? It is, it is a church building, right? And so 
there's going to be needs to be some repurposing that's done to just kind of create um, the kind of space that we're looking for. And I think, right, there's going to be calls out to the community, right? Right now, a lot of those calls are looking like money, but we are going to be doing calls for, for volunteers, for our work days, for muralists, right? For <laughs> folks who have experience in carpentry, right? We're thinking really intentionally, right, about, about the safety of our students, right? We are going to have calls for folks to come in and, and consult with us, right, on, on health standards or to help us out with grant writing, right, or to have us thinking about the security of our students, right? Um, and so all of those things are, are, are opportunities to tap in um, and to provide support. Um, and so I think that, that that's a big key step in, in assuring that, that, that this Malcolm X Academy for African education opens. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say I would double, you know, again, double down on everything Mel said. One, obviously financially you can support us. Um, and I, and I, and I want, I want to say it in a few ways, right? Like one, you can just support like rent of the building right um you can do that you know as a one-time donation you can do it monthly you can also right you can provide a scholarship for a student right for tuition right because we are going to have a sliding scale right we are going to have tuition like like we are really on some nipsey hustle right like how to pay like pay what you can if if you know what I mean? Because again, this is a community, you know, and we all have to pull together. And Eric, you know, even even Erica Huggins mentioned that about <laughs> had some students who did that, right? And so, right, it, it, we we also need families. Like we need families to pull up and and trust us with your babies, and trust that the same way you trust these colonial schools, you trust this African school. Right? You wouldn't ask all the if we told you that all of these teachers had master's degrees and were teaching at either K through 12 schools or at, you know, higher institutions, if, if it was a bunch of Europeans, no one would ask any questions. If it was at a colonial school, they wouldn't ask no questions, but are we going to, are we going to ask those, well, are they really being taught if they're not learning in this one way? Break out of that, that my friend, right? I'm going to ask parents to do that and family, you know, communities to do that because we are going to need you, right? We are going to need you to pull up with your babies. If you're a teacher, you have a skill, pull up. You know what I'm saying? Teach the babies what it is you know. Whatever it is. You make t-shirts once or twice a month, pull up and show the babies how to make shirts. Or make an internship program so that the babies that want to make shirts can come learn how to make shirts with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the ways that we need people to pull up, right? We need people to pull up again in the work days. We need people to pull up to volunteer, right? And so, you know, there's definitely all types of ways to pull up. Um, and share with your network, if nothing else, right? Let people know what we got going on. Let people know that we here and we doing something. Right. If you're not here, right, take this as a as a as a call to to do something in, in your jurisdiction. 
right, in, in your region. Because we got to be moving, right? But don't sit idle. I guess that's, that's, that's right. How can you support us? Is don't sit idle. Stand in, the, stand in the trenches with us, right? Support us. Attend our live yeah. event next Tuesday with Dr. Cornell West, March 8th. Right, buy a ticket. No, exactly that. And I think, right, like folks like Mel, other folks are in the background working hard, right, to secure grants so that the school itself can be completely free for a majority of the students. So we don't have to charge tuition. So we don't have to charge folks to, for childcare, right? So we want to bring in that bigger money and that grant money. But at the same time, like, we know folks, it, it, all it takes is sharing, sharing this, sharing the GoFundMe, sharing this episode, sharing the info, right, with, with folks that you know folks in your family, folks in your network, right? Because as soon as you get a couple people donating $5, you get a couple hundred people donating $5, right? That shit builds up, right? Even if it's just a dollar, even if it's just $5. But building an actual network and a community that's invested in this is super important so we can lock down a lot of different things. Uh, but in a small way, there's small ways and there's big ways for folks to tap in. So I, I hope folks are listening. And then, um, yeah, just to like to speak to to the folks right who who are curious about like, well, what's the bottom line, and what's my return on investment, or like, what are what are the qualifications, right? I, I just want to name like we have all that too. Um, like I, I I had mentioned before, like it's not just things that that we are that we are envisioning or thinking about or or thinking that, you know, maybe we can make this happen. Um, the folks here, right, talking right now are the best educators I have ever come into contact with, right? Um, and I say this, right, as someone who, who has graduated, right, with, with a degree in education from one of the best universities for education, right, in the nation, right? Not to say that their education is, is what matters, but I say this as someone who knows and works with a lot of educators, right? And has access to, to a network of educators, right? The folks in here are amongst the best educators I have ever met, and their students are a testament to that, right? The ways in which the folks in, in, on, on our team um, work alongside the youth is, is a very different and a transformative way compared to, to what is typically taught, right? Or what is typically happening in the classroom. It's non-traditional. I'm sure we've all been in, put in positions, right? Within our institutions where, where folks are like, what are y'all doing with these kids, right? And, right, as a scientific socialism, the work speaks for itself, right? And the work speaks in data. And what we have is students who have gone through our classes right? African students. I still remember last year, I had a class with, with um, that I was teaching online with college students, all Africans. And it was the end of the year. And one of them just randomly was like, you know, you're the first black teacher I've ever had. And I was like, what? And I'm like, I know that's real, right? But it, 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 it was really wild for me. And then I was like, how many of y'all, it was a class of 50 people. I was like, how many of y'all is that true for? And like several of them raised their hands, right? And, and what I know of those students and what I have continued to see is their work, their success, right? Their, their talent, their skill, their drive, right?
right? These, these students are all continuing to do amazing things in the world and amazing things in service of, of the revolution, right? And that is the same for, for DJ students, right? That is the same for Jordan students, right? That is the same for the students who Marcus coaches, right? It's all of these, all of these kids, right, have come back to us at one point or another and, and given us that data that we need that has essentially said, you are the best teacher that I've ever had in my life, right? And so that's, that's your facts and your return on investment, right, for, for, this, for this school is that it will be a world-class education, right? Um, and, and, you know, if y'all want to write off things on your taxes, it, neighbor program is also a nonprofit, right? So, so whatever way you want to make it shake, right, we are open. We need y'all support. Some of y'all just need to go to y'all accountant. You feel me? Ask what's the most I can write off of my taxes because I don't want this imperialist Uncle Sam government to take my bread. I'm trying to give it to the hood. And you feel me? You we kill two birds with one stone. We we make sure the pigs ain't getting the money, and we give it to the people. And you know what I'm saying we run the programs. That's why it's the Shakur Center. You feel me? Listen to what Pac says. Look at what, look at what the Shakurs were doing. We got to fight for the land. And this is it right here. We need y'all to tap into the fight. The same way y'all raising money to, to, to black to send Black Lives Matter out there to go out, walk out in the street and get their ass beat by the pigs. The same way y'all sending money, y'all jumping on the internet to send money all over the world to whoever is the sad case on whatever news channel y'all watching, right? Whatever the, the, the human crisis of the day, send that money to help these Africans right here inside the empire. Build some resistance. We on the front lines right here. Straight up, we going to war. Sis, you already know the song. We go to war for this African blood. We going to war right now. We need y'all to send. We need y'all to send the, the, the snack packs. We need y'all to send the ammo. We need y'all to. <laughs> we need to right. We need all of the aid. All of the aid. We need all of the aid. From all of from everybody. I mean, your tax money's either going, you know, to the government to aid, you know, all their fucked up shit or it's coming to us to really take care of the community, so. Write that shit off. (laughs) (laughs) And pull up and work with us in the community. Love on these babies with us. Straight up. All right, I've been talking too long. Let me be quiet. I love y'all. I'm so glad we built yeah. a school. I mean, pull up and see what we do, right? Follow, follow all of our movements, right? On social media, right? Look into who we are all individually. Like we all, like Mel said, we're all very qualified educators. Like we've been doing this for a long time, right? We all have impressive credentials on our own, right? Right. And here we are, like th- we're creating something that's truly special, right? And we could talk all day, but until you see the way that we move and our politic and what we're really building here, you won't fully get it. So just tap in with us, follow us, right, and support in any way you possibly can. Go away. Go away.